Welcome to another episode of Dirt Stories. Today's Dirt Story is all about making demolition innovative, and in order to dive into this topic, we are going right to the source with Ryan Priestley of Priestley Demolition in Ontario, Canada. Priestley Demo was established in 1993, but the company actually started as a contracting company in the 70s with Ryan's father, Vic Priestley. Now, Priestley Demolition is now recognized as one of the most versatile and innovative demo companies in all of Canada. They've won numerous awards around North America and even the world for the work that they do. Priestley Demolition is also the company behind Salvage Kings, a TV show on the History Channel that talks about the salvage side of demolition. So there's so much to unpack with this company, and it's going to be a real pleasure to talk to Ryan to just dive right into this topic and probably going to learn something new today as well. So let's just dive right in. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you are here with us from Priestly Demolition. So just to kind of get us kickstarted, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and, and your history in the construction industry? Yeah, I just, I grew up in the business uh, with my father, just wanting to go to work with him every day as much as I could. When I got to high school, I would come to the office after school and start helping out around the shop and plowing snow and working my summers and days off and everything else. And it didn't matter if I was sweeping the floor or, you know, getting the chance to operate a piece of equipment. I just, I was smiling ear to ear the whole time. And I think it drove people nuts. So. <laughs> Are uh, they not uh, used to having somebody so happy on site? Yeah, that's what I mean. I just, I, they, I couldn't get enough of it. And they're just like, get out of here, kid. You're going to hate it. Like just go, go back to school. It's warm in the winter. It's cold in the summer. And there's, you know, Lots of good-looking girls walking around school and around here. This is going to be a bunch of old guys and overall <laughs> grumpy all the time, drinking coffee, smoking cigarettes. So, <clears throat> and then uh, I took a college program at Fanshawe College, Construction Engineering Technology, which was really catered towards sort of what we're doing here. And then that really gave me a good opportunity to sort of get some formalized uh, education on uh, our industry, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. estimating and project management. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you think that watching your your father be in the industry and kind of having that connection to it is part of what makes you enjoy it so much? I think so. And I think that, you know, my dad always enjoyed it. So then when I was around him, it's, you know, you're, you're a product of your environment, so to speak. And, mm -hmm. you know, it just, it seemed like there's never a dull moment. My dad was always one to take a chance. I mean, he, he bought his first car for $7 and sold it for 25 And I think the engine was in the back seat or something stupid. Right? So he just like, you know, he, we always, we did a lot of jobs on Saturdays and it was like, we'd move a shed or we'd dig a, a pool or we'd do all kinds of stuff. And, uh, you know, you just see so much different um, of the spectrum, you know, it's not like you're mm -hmm. always doing demolition or always doing excavation or, we did a lot of uh, sewer and water work, and we did a lot of landscaping work, excavation work, contaminated soil work, and partial demolitions and interior demolitions. And you know, we do do a lot of labor work here and a lot of equipment work here. So it's it's never a dull moment. Yeah, was that a big shift? You know, 
Priestley started as a contracting company in the 70s. But when Priestley Demo was established officially in the 90s, was that a big switch for him to choose to focus on demolition? Yeah, it, I think it was. And I think the, you know, we had some customers that were asking us to do demolition, but we weren't competing with the, the, the main mainstream demolition contractors in the city of Toronto at that time, mm-hmm. or so we felt. And then we started to get, you know, more and more work. And then uh, we had to join the labor's union. So when we joined the labor's union, that's when we started the, the company Priest Demolition Incorporated. Right. And uh, then through the union, you'd start to get more opportunity to bid more work. And so you start bidding for some of the bigger general contractors that mandate you have a union. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, you're, you're tearing down, you know, the building where they're going to build the new Air Canada Center, Spoker Bank Center, or something like that, right? So it's, I know some of the projects you guys have had are just—they're just, they're just in, like they're crazy. Yeah, the you know, we back two thousand three, we did Terminal One at the airport and stuff like that. I mean, it was just a massive mm-hmm. structure and you know, tight timeline and everything else. And we pretty much—I pretty much lived there for about a year, just going there every single day and. Yeah. Work, long days and stuff like that but again at the time i was i was smiling ear to ear that's awesome that's so awesome yeah enjoying what you do is so important i feel like especially in this industry it definitely becomes a lifestyle you're there all the time let alone when you're a business owner it literally is is your life well and it it really it you know you you struggle with people who don't love it right so yeah and there's some days where i wish you know sometimes somebody will say oh right you know i decided to quit uh, i'm gonna move on and, and you know they're expecting me to say no no please stay and i'm like i'm just jealous and they're like well what do you mean i'm like well there's days where i've wanted to quit too but yeah. you know, it's not an option so you just you have that thought for a, a little moment in time and then you put it behind you and you carry on right like let's see what's good around the corner there must be something coming mm-hmm. so, and um you know, it's this industry has allowed me to see the world. I've visited uh, machine factories, like I've been to, you know, where the, the Sumitomo factory in Japan and the Volvo factory in Korea, and, you know, different parts of, you know, Europe, Italy, France, Germany. That's so cool. UK, you know, visiting different plants where they manufacture whatever type of equipment we're looking to buy, whether it's a attachment or an excavator or what have you. And, all over the U.S. and so on and so forth, and and now we even have work in the U.S. So it's 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 been real real nice for me that way as well. Yeah. How, did you? Is there any particular like thing that you saw or place that you traveled that surprised you or that still sticks with you? I think being in Japan and we were up in these in a mountainous area, it was kind of like being in Muskoka. Oh. You know, like it was like right. trees and the kind of like resort type feel, and they had a awesome indoor pool and stuff and then you know then the next day we're down in the ocean and it's like you're sleeping in this room you just slide this window open and it's like you're right on the ocean it was i don't know japan was really nice um korea was also very nice you know riding on those trains that go about 300 kilometers an hour yeah that's so cool. yeah that's so awesome. uh, and obviously all of europe like going to the i'd go to a lot of the big construction shows um Bama and germany and stuff like that so it's mm-hmm. just Oh, just the scenery is always super over the top. Yeah. I feel like not a lot of people associate being able to travel and trade shows and visiting these manufacturers with the industry. I think a lot of people just think construction is, you know, you go to work, you sit in your dozer and that's what you do for 50 years and that's it. So that's really awesome. I have never heard anybody 
talk about that as being like one of the highlights of, of the job. Yeah, well, looking back, it's just, you know, you can say you've been there and you've seen this and seen that. And it's kind of nice. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So um, what do you like most about about demolition? And do you feel like you feel more connected to demolition now than general construction or contracting work? I think I feel most connected for sure with demolition. I mean, I, I, I do enjoy, uh, you know, coordinating the demolition with the new construction. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing I like most about it is there's no, no two projects the same. They can be similar, but they're never the same. Number one and number two, there's always got to be a way that you could try and add some kind of added level of value, you know, with these customers that you're dealing with in the sense that, well, if we could do this a little quicker, maybe they'd like it, or maybe we could do this by hand, or maybe we could use a little bigger machine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just, just, there's always, it's almost like a design build demolition right. out there these days. So. Yeah. Cause you've said before in the past that you look at demolition as being like a spectator sport. So does that play into it a little bit? You kind of see what's something different you could try or something new uh, to try on different projects from that side of it. Well, it's like a spectator sport or the, the other term I use is, you know, sidewalk superintendent. <laughs> People are standing on the sidewalk and they're watching you, but I think, you know, you can want, you can stand there and watch for 10 minutes and you see how much, of a building comes down in 10 minutes mm-hmm. and it probably took them two weeks to build it. You know, you want to form and pour concrete and put rebar and all that. It's just, it, it, it takes a certain amount of time, but you can literally reach up there with a big machine and chew that concrete down in no time. So, and uh, we do these bridge demolitions and obviously there's every, every consultant and engineer and, and, and owners out there watching it come down because again, it takes them all, season to build a bridge and we take it down like four hours so, yeah that but, must be a little bit disheartening to be well, like, oh, I mean, you know, like that. That, you guys make that look pretty easy well it's not that easy but i mean we try and make it look easy so yeah and, uh, you know even uh I, my son is 16 now and he's he's come to a couple of bridges with me and you can tell he's already getting the itch of it it just it's nice. i don't know what it is but it just when you see it happening it just it, you, you almost just become naturally addicted yeah. I mean, it starts as kids, right? You build a sandcastle and you just have to crush it. It's like something in us as human beings, as much as yeah. we love to build something, tearing it down is just so much fun. <laughs> I totally agree with you. But there's something else, obviously, to demolition opposed to just pulling stuff down. Like I know with Priestly Demo um, in particular, you guys try to recycle uh, as much as you can and work with lead certification projects to make sure that you're leaving a clean site at the end of it. Is, is Has sustainability and the focus on environmentalism that's happened in the past maybe like 10, 20 years or so, has that changed a lot in the industry or was that already a concern in demolition as to like recycle and leave things clean and all that? You know, back in the, in the, in the 60s and 70s, it was not uncommon to dismantle a house by hand. You'd send four guys there and they'd literally peel the shingles off if it was worth it and restack them. And then Tepperman or Greenspoon or one of these Toronto contractors back in the day would have a yard and they'd bring it back there and they'd literally sell the old shingles, the old wood, the old windows, the old doors. Mm-hmm. If there were great skis in the basement, they'd bring the skis back there. They'd sell it all. And that's because back then there was no Home Depot like there is today and sport check and so on and so forth. So buying the new stuff was not as easy mm-hmm. and then you're saving money. So, 
you know, there was a transition where now it's everything's very disposable. You, you can buy a pair of running shoes, but really in a year or so when you're done wearing them, they're probably going to hold them because they're designed to be only lasting so long and so on and so forth. But still to this day, I, I, I still argue like when you go in to do a demolition, obviously you want to reuse, recycle, repurpose as much as you can. You're not going to throw out a brand new two-year-old furnace. We all know a furnace will last 10 years at least, maybe maybe 30 years, right? You're not going to throw that furnace in the scrap bin, you know? So there's there's certain items that in a, are in a, in a building that, you, that you're demolishing that are very salvageable for for a long period of time, right? So, and then it just, it's, it's becomes the, the whole financial game on, you know, how much labor and trucking and storage versus how much the sale of that item is going to be. So you can't do it to just about everything you, you want to, but you have to run the numbers and see, but, you know, we have a salvage yard. Uh, we're really, really big in our recycling and uh, we have like four concrete crushers all the time crushing concrete at our yards or on our sites or even for our customers. So, you know, the, the, those are all the steel gets recycled from these projects. And, you know, so now you're just left with the waste material, which again, some of the waste material can get diverted from landfill by going to certain recyclers. And uh, it just depends where the project is, but I mean, it's happening all the time. That's Very awesome. sustainable, but it, it's always been sustainable. Is my point. So now they have these yeah. leads, and so, but we never have a problem meeting the lead, the lead uh, requirements. We're probably exceeding them for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like being in in demolition, anyways, it gives you a different perspective, at like of a project. And I think that, um, I think that it's great that you guys have been doing that for so long. And I don't, I don't think I never knew that they would take apart buildings hand by hand. It makes sense but I never thought about it in that way. Well, there was no heavy equipment back then to do it either. Like, you know, the the excavator that we all know and see today was not hardly around in the seventies. It was around, but not very, not very popular, not very well used. It's it's not like today where every contractor this side of, you know, New York state has 14 of them. You know what I mean? Like they're everywhere now. Right. So, and, uh, you just did a lot of work by hand back then. So by doing it by hand, it literally took no more work to, to save it. Right. And I think that that indicates too the level of planning that goes into a demolition. You know, you don't just show up one day with machines and knock everything down. How much time before a demolition do you spend like planning on, on what you're going to save or, or do you even look at that stuff ahead of time and we'll do a walkthrough and see, you know, the wood's so good or we can save this or we should separate this or like, do you decide that ahead of time? it's happening every day all day long here it's we literally you know bid a bit of project uh you know we get the go ahead for the project then we have uh, a turnover meeting and then we have uh, a planning meeting with all the players involved and we try and ask all the questions tick all the boxes so to speak to make sure that we don't leave anything unturned mm-hmm. and, and try and make sure that we capture as much value and opportunity as we can in every single project so and we at Priestley have a yard that's a scrapyard. We have a yard that's a salvage yard. We have a yard that's a recycling yard. And we have our main yard where all of our head office and all of our equipment is being serviced and repaired out of. So we have a yard for everything. It's just a matter of what yard is it going to. Right. <laughs> or, or are we going third party? Like sometimes we sell something from a site right to a customer and it just goes, doesn't even come to the yard, right? That's, that's the ideal situation, actually. So, yeah. 
but we're able to house all our own material here and we're able to uh, self-perform our work and we're not, uh, you know, relying on someone else's yard to maybe be open or whatever. So it's, it's great. Right. Is that where the, um, the inspiration for the history channel show salvage Kings came from because you had all this and you wanted to educate people about like the salvage side of demolition. Yeah, I think, I think salvaging is, is, it's something that's it's just hard to 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 put in a sentence or two but i mean at the end of the day you get certain projects where they have great salvage and you're constantly doing salvage and you get other projects you, you go to tear down a 10-story concrete parking garage i mean there's no salvage yeah yeah it might sell like a you know like the parking arms that open and close or you might sell the you know if there's a you know a boiler in the basement to heat the the ramps you know there might be some salvage, but then you get other jobs. Like we took down a Markswork warehouse one time. It was like a year old. We saved everything. Crazy. Like we, we saved all the electrical outlets. We saved all the lights, all the pot lights. We saved all the shelving, all the racking, all the ceiling tiles. Everything was brand new, you know, and then uh, it just like it turned into a full salvage operation, so to speak. So it just depends on the project. And that's why it's a little bit, you know, up and down in the sense that you, you get a run of projects where all you're doing is bringing stuff back to the yard and you get other run of projects where there's nothing to bring back. So you got to try and sell what you have. And, but it's, uh, it, the salvage will always be there because you just can't dispose of something that's still good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, for sure. It, it makes no sense, you know, and, uh, it's hard. Yeah. Is there like, what's the coolest thing you've ever found been anything that was really surprising? Or like really awesome that you've ever found. I'm still looking for my million dollar gold bullion. <laughs> no, I mean um, we found some. You know, we did a copper refinery job one time years ago. We found some big copper that was kind of nice and cool. Cool. had some financial uh, gain to it for sure. Oh. We've uh, one time we found an old tank at a at a at a job, and the same thing it was a really funny material. So that was awesome to find, but. Um, you know, we just, sometimes it can be an old sign or whatever, but for me personally, I just, I've seen so much. I, I think I'm starting to get almost not colorblind to it, but salvage blind to it. Cause yeah. people, I either want to save everything or save nothing depending on the day. Right. Cause we yeah. have stuff and my whole, when we were back, when we were first starting a demolition company, my dad had a barn and in the barn is where he saved everything. And then he yeah. moved me like we, you know, okay, we got to make, we got more stuff coming. We got to make room. And all we do is move stuff around. It's too good to throw away. So we'll have to move it further back in the barn and then sweep the floor and make a room. And then we put some more stuff in there. And then six months would go by and we'd have to move some of that stuff to the back and we'd sold something. To, and I'm just like, oh my God, this is how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. And here I am, you know, 35 years later, I'm still moving stuff around and sweeping the floor and making room for more. It's crazy. But... You need one of those like James Bond car garages that you like, <laughs> like a keypad and the wheels turn and just pull everything out for you. Oh my God. We need a giant vacuum cleaner. Oh, send it up to the cloud. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I feel like salvage blind. I feel like that should be like on like your shirt or something like don't <laughs> salvage blind. keep on looking because yeah. you never know what you're going to find that day. And it's, um, you know, the, the show has been great just because, it's it's nice to show people what's going on out there and it's not just a 
you know, a big machine smashing down some structure with no planning. And it's just, you know, I think they've done a pretty good job trying to show everyone how, you know, what goes into a, what, what goes into a demolition project and, you know, and how much fun it can be. You know, the guys in the show have done a really good job being the fun guys to work with. That's awesome. Yeah, what a great way to highlight too. Priestley's going to be 50 next year, and it's kind of a cool way to celebrate the milestones that the company itself have been through for yeah. the past 50 years. So Priestley Demo is said to be one of the most versatile and innovative demolition companies in all of Canada. What is it that sets Priestley Demo apart from other demolition companies? I think the first thing is the people. You know, we have a lot of um, long tenure people here. So I think you create a culture by which it's uh, you're just naturally coaching and mentoring all the time and trying to make it better. Okay. And, you know, having some young entrepreneurial spirit in the business is always healthy for it as well. So we never hit that sort of that ceiling of just being happy where we are. And, you know, the phone has always rung here. So there's always lots going on. And um, we're, we're not big on saying no to any opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, we got invited the other day to bid a job in Africa. It's like, oh, no way. Yeah, no, and I was like, please, can we just say no? Please, can we say no? <laughs> and I don't, mean, I don't mean to sound bad. I'm like, you start looking at where it is, and it's like, it's actually not that far away when you think about it, because Africa is such a large place. It's only like a 10-hour flight or something like that. But I'm like, it's just, it, it, I, even if it makes sense, it's not, it's, the, we're busy enough. We just got to say no for now. So yeah. who, who knows, one day, right? Maybe it'll be yeah. a in Africa. Who knows? And they reached out to you for that opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. But that speaks grounds to just like the name of Priestly Demo and the fact that people recognize you and want you. And they're like, please travel this far and work on this project. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, we're definitely known in the North American market and the, in the, in the world market. And, uh, we've, we've received awards we've won the world demolition award in 2016 and stuff like that. So I think those things help, you know, with Google search and all that. So I think they just start looking up companies and our name certainly pops up, which is great. Yeah, that is awesome. So because you've been in the industry for so long, Ryan, I'm sure that you've seen the way that technology has changed the world of demo. Is there anything that's shocked you from say 50 years ago to today, even of just, something that's changed a lot because of technology yeah I, I think i'm in the same boat as everyone on the technology i mean when it works good you love it and yeah. when it doesn't work good you just you want to kind of beat it up with a sledgehammer but it's like um you know it, the equipment that we have uh, high reach machines um the attachments um we're using these oil quick quick couplers here now and then they're all you know shooting a signal from from an aerial from antenna on the, on the machine up to the cloud and then you got all the information there if it's overheating and so you send a machine down to virginia and all of a sudden it's overheating you get a message here well that's fantastic you just call them up and say you know that machine's overheating down there and they're like yeah yeah no problem we're on it we got the guy coming to fix it great you know so um internally we probably use about 25 different pieces of software between our sales and engineering and operations team and health and safety and 
human resources and all the above. Like we just we put everything into a software to try and manage the data and trying to understand what's the, the pinpoints in your pinch points in your business to try and, you know, make corrections along the way and understand what the, what the, what the problems are so you can make corrections. So it's, it's great having technology for some of the stuff, right. And you're not just sort of, uh, closing one eye with your thumb out there going, uh, what's the weather like today? And, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what's the wind, what, what direction is the wind coming out of today? You know, so, um, yeah, all of our guys are totally, uh, you know, hooked up in the field. Everyone's got iPads and smartphones and taking photos and sending, sending information back and forth. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's great. And it's overwhelming all at the same time. And when it yeah. works good, it's great. And when it doesn't work good, it doesn't work good. Like, you can spend a million dollars buy a new machine, and all of a sudden the computer program won't let you start it up for some reason, right? And it's like, yeah. these weren't troubles we had twenty years ago. This is not this is not making my life better. It's making it worse, actually, right? Yeah, for sure. Do you have a favorite piece of demolition machinery? Uh, I definitely, I definitely like our big SK one thousand. It's a Cabelco SK one thousand, and it's a like a three piece boom on it and it's it's our biggest machine you can put the biggest tool at the highest height on it and it's really a you, you drive up to anything and you you grab onto it with that machine you back up and the whole thing comes with you it's just it's really awesome yeah it's, uh, super safe for doing big jobs you know you're not you're not it's not like a little doesn't look like there's a little wee machine <laughs> underneath the building that's twice its height and you're trying to claw out from underneath it you know this thing looks like it's like I'm going to eat you, you know, (laughs) a little bit of intimidation of the building. Like you're coming down now. Right. Yeah. Have you ever used a wrecking ball? Is that something that people actually use? uh, Yeah. We used to use them a lot actually. And uh, you know, there's still, it could still be a useful tool to be honest. It's not that it's just, it's hard to control a wrecking ball and it's not uh, the training manual on the wrecking ball doesn't really exist you know it's not like some of this other stuff so yeah the, the, the worst part about the wrecking ball is if the cable breaks and the ball goes flying that's yeah it, it's and it, and it happens all that the time would be bad. but uh you know we've used them on jobs and uh we put them on cranes you know we poked in roofs and on buildings and stuff like that and every now and again when you say wrecking ball everyone's like what we've used them for movie shoots here i think there's a What's what's I think what's the girl's name? Um, oh, uh, thinking about Miley Cyrus. Yeah, she yeah. They, she came here to our yard one time years ago and shot the shot her um, music video. She shot that at Priestley. Yeah, went with the wrecking ball, right? She's no she, way. Yeah, I had no idea that she filmed that in like Ontario, Canada. Yeah. No way! Did you get to meet her? No, no, I didn't hit demeanor. No, that was not good. I, uh, they weren't, they weren't here for very long, but she, uh, like just like a couple hours one afternoon and they just wanted the place to themselves and just leave them alone. And that's that. That's awesome. Yeah. I had no idea. That's super cool. So, uh, this question actually came from uh, a member of the dozer team who was curious and asked me to ask you. But do you ever use firepower or any kind of explosives in demolition? Yes, we have. Uh, 
we've taken down some, like we blew up a building. We imploded a building in downtown Toronto, like Bay and Dundas in 1999. Oh, wow. And that must have been complex to try to use like tools like that in the middle of a city. I literally thought I was going to have a breakdown after it blew up. I mean, when this building came down, everything was relatively okay. But I mean, there's bits of concrete, like I'm going to say everywhere. Oh, and wow. We had a guy that worked for us at the name, at the time, his name was John. And he took care of everything with this project. He applied for the permit and we, we made him like single point of contact. And <clears throat> he would come in literally six months after we blew up that building and he put a piece of concrete the size of your fist on the desk. He says, this girl's about three blocks away. He says she's been away for the winter and says this piece of concrete went through her window. Like, I mean, like the, 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 the we were picking up concrete for, for months after that job, right? So oh, more windows and screens. And I mean, it was a great experience and nobody got hurt in the end. However, it's uh, very hard to tell people like, please don't look at your window. We're going to blow up the building across the street. Well, you can't tell me to leave. No, no, we're not telling you to leave. We're just suggesting that maybe you would like to leave. If you leave, we're going to take this suite at the hall over there and you can watch it from the 25th floor of the hotel just down the street. No, I don't like you. Get out of my face. Okay, no problem. Have a great weekend. Sunday morning, 8 o'clock. If it's loud outside, we're telling you what we're doing. It was it was just, it's very hard to control the area. And the police and the fire were great and everything. And, and like I say, no one got hurt. But uh, afterwards, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe we just did that. That was crazy. So what? why why was it chosen to be used for that, for that building? That particular building was an 11-story building. It was a very small footprint. So for us to put equipment up on top of that building, we were a little bit nervous about the floor plate not being big enough for the equipment. And right. all around that building was a parking lot. And so we were like, we're going to have to buy everyone in this parking lot car wash every single day, all summer long. So we're like, if we just make the dust one day, maybe that will be better. So we still had to take all the material out of that building. Like we had to go in and remove all the interior finishes, like all the drywall and the carpet and the ceiling tile and everything. Mm-hmm. We did all that. And then we loaded up with dynamite on a Saturday and blew it Sunday morning. And it, uh, you know, it only took us about a week to do all the, all the removal from the ground. And it, it, I would say it was overall a success, but it was just a little bit much for me to take at the time. Maybe I was too young for it at that time. I don't know. I just, I was like so nervous after. Yeah. Were you running that project, Ryan? Uh, I was involved. I was pretty young at the time. So I wouldn't say I was running it, but I was yeah. definitely involved. Um, and uh, we did a big bridge up North. And uh, I remember telling the customer, and again, he was like, uh, okay, Ryan, uh, enough's enough. How are you going to do this bridge? We only got so much time. What size cranes are you using? I said, well, to be honest with you, I don't think we should use a crane. He's like, well, what, how are you going to do it? And he's kind of getting gruff with me. I said, well, I think I found a solution. I think it's going to be really good. He's like, oh, yeah? What's that? I go, dynamite. I think we should blow it up. He's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I told you not to hire this guy. I told you not to hire this guy. It's like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Just let it hear me out here. Hear me out here. It's going to work. It's going to work. And sure enough, it worked out great. We built a platform underneath it and dropped this bridge. And anyway, it worked out great. And the customer was really happy in the end. And But it was like a, it's, it's hard selling dynamite to your customer sometimes. Yeah. That's awesome. 
You said that 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 tall building came down in, in like, what, 10 days or a week? That seems extremely fast. How long does it normally take to tear? Well, obviously, it depends on the size. But what would, like, your average be for tearing down a building? Uh, Well, the the high-rise buildings takes, like, a week of floor for the structural demolition. So if it's a 10-story building, I always like to tell people 10 weeks. But then you have to do all the work ahead of that, which is probably another 10 weeks. Right. And the building that we blew up, we, we... we probably did 10 weeks of interior demolition. We blew it up and then we did all the rest of the removal in like two weeks, but it didn't have a very big deep basement or anything like that. So mm-hmm. a lot of the work these days in a lot of these buildings is below grade to be, uh, to be honest with you. It's really the, the, the below grade work is literally very complicated and, and very robust. I mean, it's just the buildings only get bigger and stronger below grade. Right, because I guess if the foundation isn't strong enough, then they're not going to be able to build these tall, crazy, insane skyscrapers. That's right, yeah. That's exactly it. And have you ever demolitioned a building, like one of those new ones that are all glass? (laughs) Well, yes and no. I mean, yes, we've done, you know, a lot of glass removal and a lot of buildings that were all glass. The glass is very recyclable. We, We put it with the concrete generally. Yeah. But uh, we just did a project where it was just taking off the glass. I mean, they're 30 and 40 story buildings. Wow. We worked there for two years. Wow. Moving all the glass at night and everything else. So we go in at night and take the glass off. The contractor put the glass back on and go down the next floor. And the next day we do take all the glass off and put the glass on and that seems crazy. Two years. Wow. So you do like not even full, like, Sorry, I'm phrasing this wrong. So you do full demolition, but then you also do like these partial tear down or like reconstruction projects as well. Yeah. You know, removal of anything, anywhere, anytime, basically. But it's, uh, you know, it's it's just uh, we have the ability to manage all this different type of work, which is really the key. Right. right. So I mean, it's, it's some people only know us for for removing glass and some people only know us for having big equipment and some people only know us for doing asbestos removal and you know it's just um just built up a big clientele over the years for different types of work that's awesome Mm -hmm. so you can tell just by talking to you ryan how much you love this industry so i have to ask what your favorite thing is to talk about when somebody says to you like Tell me about the world of demolition. What is like your go-to? This is what I always like to talk about because it's my favorite thing. Oh, I, I don't know if I have a favorite thing to talk about. I mean, I do I do like the stories. I mean, growing up in this family business and 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 just, you know, having experienced what I've, I've experienced and, and meeting the people I've, I've met and the different types of projects that we've done. Like, uh, I remember one guy... I said to him, uh, Bob, I really like to use you for, uh, you know, like a recommendation on a on a on a prequalification for for another job. And he said, Yeah, no problem, sure. And he's like, he calls me up. He says, Ryan, I just want to let you know the, the the customer called me, and they asked me, What do you think about priestly demolition? And I said to them, You know what I think about priestly demolition? Dump a bucket of water on the floor and watch them walk on water. That's what I think about priestly demolition. <laughs> awesome like so that's what i like the most it's just the i guess having the successful stories over the years it's always nice to hear a successful story yeah but i mean that that comes from from the work that you do right nobody would be saying that if you 
didn't follow through on projects or you did a crappy job on your project. So it's a direct reflection of the work that, you know, you and Priestley Demolition does as a company as well. Oh, and for sure. And, you know, even, even this morning, I'm sitting there and the phone rings. It's the fire department. And, hey, hey, Ryan, it's Jim calling. Like, uh, I need your help today. No problem, Jim. We'll, we'll come right up. It's just nice being able to respond to people in a timely fashion. And yeah. you know, it's so important to answer your phone and, and be available to people. It's just, it's, it's, it's just a recipe for success, generally speaking, you know? Yeah. Do you have a favorite demo project that you've ever either worked on or overseen? I think for me, it was Terminal 1. Yeah. It was just at that time for us, it was just, it was a really massive project for us. And, you know, we bought some new equipment for it and we were probably, uh, you know, stretching our limits of uh, growth at the time. And, you know, we were hiring people and trying to work all weekend and stuff like that, trying to keep the work done and, and, and still trying to get all the rest of our work done. So that for me was one of my favorites. Um, the job we did at the, where they built the new now Scotiabank center. I mean, that was a really cool job for us at the time. And, uh, Maple Leaf gardens always is a fun one to talk about too. It's just that job was really complicated as far as working from within that building and trying to, you know, work around all the other trades and still mm -hmm. so forth. That, that was not a real fun one for us. That's awesome. Do you remember what your first demo project was? I got to tear down a house in Newmarket and I almost tipped the machine over in the basement. Oh, really? So I had torn this house sort of down and it pretty much had it down at this point. And then I was walking out onto the garbage in the basement and it started to pour rain. And then the pouring rain, pouring rain, pouring rain. And I guess I got over a little too much on one side and the machine kind of sunk on one side on this wet wood. And I didn't really cause any damage to the machine at that point. It just sort of was sitting on its side, but I couldn't really move it either or, or I was going to cause damage to it. Mm -hmm. And I had to call the office and get help, which I knew I was going to never hear the end of. So that was my first, that was my first one. That's awesome. Yeah. They were like, we should have known. Yeah. yeah. Out there. <laughs> um, I think I was just too excited to be left alone. You know, I, was yeah. just, I, I couldn't be, I, I couldn't be happier. That's awesome. Is there one thing about demolition that you wish people knew? Uh, I just wish people had the knowledge to give it the respect it deserves. Hmm. Like a lot of people think it's just easy and you smash it down and so on and so forth. But really it's, it's, it's truly, it's a, it's an industry on its own and it's, not easy you have to be very careful and you know there's a lot of uh, engineering involved with this and it's you're often dealing with um not not a lot of great information you know when you go build a building you get a set of drawings that tells you everything this is the structural drawings this is the architectural drawings this is the electrical and mechanical drawings this is the our suppression system drawings this is the landscape drawings and the demolition drawing says remove this <laughs> I mean, it's like well, <laughs> red circle around the entire thing. Yeah, so it's um, you know, just trying to uh, get people to sort of sometimes have a, a bit of a, a respect for how 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 much work is involved. Sometimes is is I wish people could get more easily. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's a great answer. Well, hopefully, after listening to this, they'll they'll understand it a little bit more. Yeah, like we have, like. 
three full-time engineers on staff here. That's just awesome. trying to engineer our work all the time. Yeah, and people probably don't associate engineering to teardown. No, you're right. Yeah. All right, Ryan. Well, we're coming to the end. So I have one last question for you uh, before we sign off. This has been a great chat. I really appreciate you taking the time um, to join me and to answer all my questions. I feel like I've learned so much and it's just been really awesome talking to you. So I was wondering if there's anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with at all. No, uh, thank you very much for your time. Also, I, I don't have anything in, in, in specific to leave to everyone listening, but Obviously, if you need any demolition, www.priestly.ca, you can, you can reach out any way you want here. And it was really nice talking to Jennifer and, and I hope to see you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Thanks again for joining us and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Dirt Stories. I'd like to thank Ryan Priestley of Priestley Demolition for joining us today and for sharing his stories and expertise in the industry. If you'd like to hear more Dirt Stories, you can find us on Instagram at Dozer Hub, or you can check out the Dozer Hub at dozer.com slash blog for more stories just like this one. Today's episode is brought to you by Dozer, a leader in the e-commerce world of construction equipment rentals. Whether you're looking to rent equipment or you have equipment that you'd like to rent out, Dozer has a software solution for you. Learn more at dozer.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm Jennifer Cote, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Dirt Stories.